Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Novak Djokovic scores a big win in court. The question is, will he have a chance to defend his title on the court? In Australia, we'll catch you up on all the latest news and the Djokovic saga coming up here on TC Live. Plus, we are headed to the top of the hour and live tennis from down under a full slate of matches to take you all through the evening overnight. It'll start with a women's match, Arina Sabalenka and Rebecca Peterson at the top of the hour. Welcome to TC Live. And welcome inside our Santa Monica, California studios. Nice to have you with us. Rob Simulcare here with Jimmy Arias and Chanda Rubin. And guys, it has not been boring, has it, the last couple of days in the world of tennis? It keeps getting more and more interesting. News that keeps coming out, but it's great to be here with you guys again today. Couple weeks in and already drama. That's what we love about tennis. Hey, listen, people are talking tennis one way or another they're talking a lot of tennis and so let's get right to the news Novak Djokovic won his hearing in court in Australia on Monday and because of that his visa has now been reinstated he was released from the detention hotel where he'd been held for four nights in Melbourne and now has actually had a chance to practice a racket's in his hand practiced on Rod Laver Arena still though one possibility that could keep him from competing his cancellation of that visa still being considered by a senior Australian government official, Alex Hawke, the Minister of Immigration. So this is not over yet, but Djokovic did react online on Twitter to the news of his winning court. He said, I'm pleased and grateful that the judge overturned my visa cancellation. Despite all that has happened, I want to stay and try to compete. So Djokovic with good news. The question is, will it stick? And Guys, this has really been uh, an ongoing saga. I turn to you, Jimmy. What's your take? Well, as anyone that's listened to me on Tennis Channel over the years knows, I'm always searching for a villain. Who wants to be the villain? Because I think in this sport, you need a villain and someone to cheer against, someone to cheer for, and people will tune in. So I'm hoping his visa continues to be okay. They let him play because he will be the villain. And I'd love to see the crowd just losing it, booing him, all those type of things. He's a guy that his whole life he's wanted to be loved. He's tried to be loved, but Federer and Nadal, everyone loves them. He can't ever win over the crowd. And this is just another step towards villainy. And I think he's, he's secured it at this point. Yeah, it's been an incredible story as we keep hearing, you know, new details come out. And I think the, the big takeaway, there are so many different components. And the one component, I think, for, you know, people watching Tennis Channel, we want to see tennis and we want to see the best players compete. So from that standpoint, I hope he is able to play. I think the fact that his visa was reinstated was a good decision because it was canceled seemingly unceremoniously in the dead of night when he had been given, um, you know, paperwork, you know, stating that he was okay to play. So I think from a 
player standpoint, that's all you can go off of. So I think for Djokovic, this was a good first step. There's the whole other question of how valid was the exemption? What was it based on? And we hear about this COVID uh, positive test he had on December 16th. There's questions surrounding that and, and the fact that he went to other events after learning of the of the result. That's a whole nother part of the saga that isn't a part of the court case, but certainly in terms of public opinion, which this story has played out in, that is a big part of it as well. So we'll see kind of how the next step develops, but I do hope he's able to play. All right. Well, certainly a story that has not been a simple one. We're going to keep an eye on it. Any news from Australia, we'll get it to you during our coverage here over the next few hours. But there is tennis happening down under, and the tune-ups underway in Sydney, Australia. A couple of Americans who finished 2021 strong, Tommy Paul and Francis Tiafa. Yeah, these two played in the semifinal in Stockholm near the end of the year last Last year, Tommy Paul got through a very tough one that time, but this matchup in Adelaide was pretty one-sided. We see some great athletic play from both of these guys. And they held serve through the first five games, and then the first break of serve happened for Tommy Paul with that backhand pass, that approach not quite good enough. Paul made him play, and Tommy Paul's played well down under a couple of years ago. He's playing well again coming in. To this match a little bit of a surprise with the ease that he seemed to dispatch Tiafo. Tiafo had played last week he lost a tough match to Kokonakis so you think he was match tough by now he'd already gotten a match in but not to be pretty comfortable 6-2-6-3 win for Tommy Paul. All right and so Paul breezes and we're getting set for some tennis Grand Slam style next week. A bunch of Americans come into the first Grand Slam of the year feeling pretty good about where they stand. Of course, Jensen Brooksby at 57 will not play. He tested positive for COVID, but look how many Americans we now see in the top 68, starting with Tommy Fritz at 22. Yeah, Taylor Fritz, I mean, this has been, you know, we look at this graphic and it, there's such positive news for American men's tennis and Taylor Fritz has been so consistent. I think he's kind of given some of the other guys something to shoot for and I think you need that especially when you have a group of you know some younger guys that are trying to break through that are trying to get to that next level it's good to have multiple players you can compete against you can get inspired by you can kind of look at them as the target and I think uh, there's a few guys Riley Opelka we'll see where he uh, is on these courts he's got big weapons Francis all these so many of these guys had such a good second half of the, last year the beauty of this group is that it's mostly young I know you got John Isner there 36 years old these guys are young they're athletic they're coming on. That's the main thing for U.S. tennis. All right, to the women now we go. And Paula Bedosa, who had a great year last year, won Indian Wells, taking on Yelena Ostapenko. Yeah, this was a battle in the first set, and Ostapenko served for the first set, but Bedosa did not go away. She got a bit more aggressive. The serve was a big weapon, and it got better for her as the match went on. And they're showing some good wheels and anticipation. She was ready to compete, and that got her through the first set, tucked that away, and she relaxed more, started hitting out on her shots. The forehand was a big weapon. She was taking ground away from Ostapenko. And in the end, through that second set, just Game gave Ostapenko no space to breathe. It was a fantastic win for her. Meanwhile, a matchup of the veteran Petra Kvitova taking on Arantxa Roos, and this one would have some twists and turns. Uh, so many twists and turns. Roos surprisingly got off to a great start. She was composed and calm, took that first set against Kvitova, who was a little flat to start. 
but she stayed in there, Kvitova, in the second set, kept things tight, was trying to be more aggressive, didn't have as much success early on, but those types of points started to hold sway, was able to take the second set in the tiebreak, and here in the third, Roos with her yes. first match point, and missed it off the return. And then on match point number two, you could tell was a little tight, wasn't quite going for her shots the way she did to get up. And Kvitova, such a veteran, so much experience, was able to take advantage. Once she got that game tucked away, she was able to get the break and serve for it. And you could see Kvitova just gain that little extra bit of confidence at the end. This was a hard fought battle. She lost yes. last week to Han. She needed this win today. Yesterday, I should say. Tough to keep track sometimes <laughs> between Australian time and U.S. time. Meanwhile, Sophia Kennan trying to bounce back off of a tough year last year, Jimmy. Back in Australia where she's had a lot of success. She has, although she would also had success against Kazakina, beating her both times they played in the past. And this first set went back and forth a number of times. Out of the five service games for Kazakina, there was a break chance for Kennan in four of them. But she didn't come through in the end. That, Tough first set and then absolute domination in the second set. Kennan's just not putting up much of a fight. She has her dad back as a coach, but obviously it didn't do her a whole lot of good. It's pretty comfortable win in the end after a difficult first set for Kazakina, who made semifinals last week as well. Not a lot to build on there for Kennan as she heads into the Australian Open, goes down four and love. Other scores from down under, on Jabour and Annette Contevate both with straight set wins. You see Fabio Fonini there with a straight set win of his own, and that was not supposed to be his matchup. Nick Kyrgios was supposed to be his opponent, but Kyrgios announced not long before the match that he has tested positive for COVID-19. No word yet on whether Kyrgios will be able to play in the Australian Open. And so uh, more news, as that tweet said, as has there not been enough news in tennis, but a little bit more news there from Curious. Well, and the news is all off court. I mean, we have some great tennis that's going on, but we're not talking as much about that because of all these developing stories off the court. Certainly players testing positive for COVID is a big one. And for Curious, he still hopes to play the Oz Open, but that is somewhat in doubt. Uh, but hopefully he doesn't get sick and hopefully he can recover as quickly as possible. Curious is always an interesting case to me on a number of levels. Obviously nothing he can do about getting COVID. Um, so that's not his fault but mm -hmm. his ranking is so low but he still thinks of himself as a star and he is he's one of the most well-known tennis players in the world at some point he's got to win some matches again this was an opportunity sort of down under home country ready to go crowd will be for him uh, unfortunately it might not happen well you know they're pulling for him to get back in time yeah. for the Australian Open a crowd favorite everywhere he goes okay we've got live tennis coming up at the top of the hour as we get you set for a full slate of action but when we come back here on tennis channel live a big matchup two top players madison keys and alina spinalina they took the court we'll give you the highlights of that one plus naomi osaka in the news adding a new doubles partner it'll surprise you who it might be plus we'll get you set for all the matches starting at the top of the hour here on tennis channel and Novak Djokovic, a long trip to Australia, then four nights in detention. What's his fitness level going to be as he gets set to play the Australian Open? We'll talk about it when we come back. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Well, it has been quite a scene outside the hotel where Novak Djokovic was being held in Melbourne. This is the group of Serbian Djokovic supporters who basically were holding vigil outside of Djokovic, his hotel room, overnight into the morning as this all played out. Of course, they had a lot to celebrate when the word came down that Djokovic had won in court. And so our tennis topics and, of course, what other topic could we possibly be talking about but the situation with Djokovic. And, Chand, I'll start with you. I mean, putting aside the visa issue, Djokovic has not been able to put a tennis racket in his hand between the long trip to Australia and then the time in detention. How do you think that's going to affect his preparation? Uh, I mean, it's certainly a big factor, and it's become the secondary concern because of all the, the legal issues and the visa issues. But, you know, most players, they have a certain schedule that they are looking, you know, to have come into play once they arrive, where they can get out on the practice court, where they can, you know, stretch their legs and just start to get ready for this big event. And Djokovic has not been able to do that as he normally would have. He is one of the fittest guys out there and certainly dots every he crosses every T. So if anybody can overcome this, I think it's him. But it's certainly a factor, and it would be a concern, certainly from a fitness level. You know, you don't want to risk getting injured because you're a little bit underdone or you haven't been able to have the routines you normally have. And so I think that would be a concern for him. There's so many things running through my head right now. Number one, he had COVID December 16th. Mm. So he probably didn't practice a lot at that point. And now he's come and hasn't had any practice as well. So that would t tend to make you think he's not in great shape. And one of the reasons he's won the Australian Open nine times is because it's hot. It's three out of five sets and he's in better shape than everybody else. So you would think that's going to be a factor. Having said that, he's got enough days to get ready to play to at least have timing on his ground strokes. And he is a better player than most players. So if he doesn't get a particularly difficult first couple of rounds, I think he'll be fine. I'll think he's going to be able to work yeah. his way right into the tournament. And he's going to be the favorite now if yeah. they let him play for, for 21 total majors. Exactly. And that if is still out there because, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Australian Immigration Minister Alex Hawke still has the power to potentially revoke that visa. So we're told, as you see here, that it remains with him. There you see him there. And he's thinking about it. This is currently under consideration by Alex Hawke. This has been obviously an incredibly political issue in Australia as well as a tennis issue. So you got to figure the politics are at least at play here in this conversation. And we, we don't know, of course, as soon as we hear, we'll let you know. But for Djokovic mentally, Chanda, this is still not resolved. So there's something still hanging over his head. Well, and that's the part, you know, we talked about the physical in this last, you know, question, but I think the mental part is, is the big unknown because it still isn't over. It's still sort of looming and hanging over his head. You know, maybe he has enough of an ego to say, you know what, this is going to happen. I'm going to put it out of my mind. I'm going to think that I'm going to play and just start that process. But it's easier said than done uh, sometimes. So mentally, how is he going to be able to sort of get over everything that's happened and all the stress of it and the uncertainty? And if he's able to play, then focus on the tennis. But we still don't know if he will ex 
you know, indeed be able to play, and I think that's still the big question. I love that picture we showed of Hawks and Djokovic, their faces, because Hawks had a look on his face as if, I know what I'm going to do to you, and Djokovic had a look like, <laughs> oh my goodness. You're right, obviously there's a mental strain. There it is again. Look at Hawks is saying, I'm, I'm going to take care of you, and Djokovic is thinking. I think that's a thinking, glamour shot. <laughs> whatever that Jimmy. is, I love, the look, I, I love the look of that whole scene right there, and it's still going to play out. We'll see how it plays out in, in the end. Mentally, you're right. It would be difficult, but I've I got to believe they're going to let him know shortly. They're not going to wait till 24 hours before, I, I hope. hope. so. Yes, we would think so. Again, as soon as we hear anything about it, we'll let you know here on Tennis Channel, on our social channels as well. Okay, when we come back here on TC Live, one of the best singles players of her generation, Naomi Osaka, is she thinking about playing a little doubles? We'll talk about who her partner might be when we come back on TC Live. And welcome back to TC Live. A look at the beautiful Sydney Harbor as we get you set for live action from the Sydney Tennis Classic. Coming up top of the hour, Ayla Tomljanovic against Anna Karolina Schmedlova. And we had some action down the road in Adelaide as well. A matchup of a couple of former college stars, Mackie McDonald and Arthur Rinderknecht. Yeah, we got UCLA McDonald against an Aggie Texas A&M, Brinder Kanesh. Brinder Kanesh played all four years, I believe, and has come out on the tour and had success right away. One of the things you see with some of these college players, Maxine Cressy as well, they're serving in volley and stuff. They're coming into net a little bit more. And these courts, from what I've heard, are playing fast this year, so it's helping serve in volleyers. Brinder Kanesh won the first set. Second set went to a tie break. Mackie McDonald's another player that doesn't mind the quick sports because he moves so well, he takes the ball early. He doesn't create his own pace as much as use yours against you. So these type of courts are good for him. In the end, however, Rinder Kinesh just had a little too much at the important moments and closed it out in three sets. The Aggies over the Bruins something you might see in football, I think, most of the time these days. Shelby Rogers in action as well. Yeah, I got off to a quick start, Rogers did, with the early break, but Marta Kostyuk, a young, up-and-coming player we've been talking about. She's got some weapons. She's got she kind of way she strides about the court, and I think that helped her in this match. She was more aggressive when she needed to be using her forehand beautifully there to turn the tables. Rogers had some physical issues, saw the trainer uh, towards the end of that first set and never really looked like she could fully swing away consistently in this match. And Kostyuk took full advantage. She was confident in the big moments, did not let up, and was able to close this out in two sets. A really solid win for her. Madison Keys, a good-looking matchup here against Alina Spinalina. Keys started out on fire, and she struggled with her serve recently, but she found it in this match, a high percentage of first serves. She used her weapons behind the serve, namely the forehand, and not much Spitalina could do. Even with her speed and, and how well she can cover the court, it was just too much firepower for her. And Keys was impressive the way she stayed focused. She stayed with the game plan. She did not start overplaying, and you saw that forehand where she got down, a nice little roll. I think that has been an added part of her game. And in the end, this was a big win for her. Able to serve it out in the end and winning two clean, clean sets. 14 aces for Madison Keys in the win. So an encouraging win for her heading into the Australian Open. 
other scores from down under and you see Ali risk a straight set win as well. So some promising news for the young American there. Ali risk coming off a win her last term of the year last year in Linz and she's continuing with a little bit of that momentum straight set win against Lynette. So maybe she can get her ranking back to the top 20. She's 50 in the world now was once as high as 18. All right, well, let's take, you know, take a look at the social net, what's going on on social media these days. And we start with our favorite social media couple in the world of tennis. That's right, a little bit of testing TikTok here from the couple uh, of Spitalita and Monfils. Uh, you love seeing these shots and shots over the holidays. They are newly married, got married with the summer of last year in the midst of the season and it's just nice to see them continue to have a bit of fun with some of the challenges that players still have to deal with here. You know what's strange to me about this pair is that they are both tremendous tennis players that have been top 10 in the world but they don't seem to be able to play well at the same time. One goes into a slump last year at the early start of the year. Monfils couldn't win a match. Svitolina was playing well and now it's flipped at least so far this year. Svitolina hasn't looked too good and Monfils won a title. They gotta, I don't know, somehow figure out how to get that together, although they're having a great time on TikTok. Fascinating uh, point there, Jimmy. We'll, we'll, we'll see if maybe they'll take that under advisement. That's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. All right, well, Naomi Osaka, we're all excited to see her play in some singles. What about some doubles here? She's talking about maybe teaming up with, yes, everybody's red furry monster, Elmo, and, uh, you know, maybe they can play against a couple of top doubles players. I, this is adorable, by the way. Of course, Osaka was on Sesame Street uh, last year, so this is a little bit of a reprieve of that appearance. Oh, I, I love seeing this and seeing uh, Naomi Osaka have fun with it, and we know how good she is on the singles court. We don't see her much in doubles, but I think she and Elmo could make a pretty good team. <laughs> Elmo, I think, could hold his own. Look, Elmo's a ferocious competitor, but apparently he doesn't serve all that well, so uh, it might okay. be a little bit of trouble. We'll lacks see what height. Happens. I yeah. think he lacks the, the height you need yeah. to get that angle. Exactly. <laughs> all right, well, we look forward to seeing Naomi and Elmo out there as well. And so, again, we got a lot of tennis coming at you here at the top of the hour. Here's what's coming up on our Tennis Channel schedule. Again, we've got live tennis at 7 o'clock Eastern time from Sydney and Adelaide. Then 1 o'clock Eastern time a.m., the night session, followed by an encore coverage at 6.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. And Tennis Channel Live back at you at 6.30 Eastern time tomorrow. Back with more TC Live after this. The Australian Open kicks off next week, and each day before the action begins in Melbourne, Tennis Channel will bring you a two-hour pregame show featuring the latest news, highlights, features, and more. TC Live at the Australian Open, Martina Navratilova, Lindsay Davenport, John Wertheim, and Steve Weissman all will be getting you set for action from Melbourne, all beginning Sunday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, presented by GEICO. All right, here's our featured set of matches as we get set for live tennis at the top of the hour. Arena Sabalenka, Rebecca Peterson, Belinda Bencic in action as well, and Jesse Pagula, the American, taking the court as well. And then, of course, a couple of names we've all been waiting to see. Emma Roddyakanu waiting for her as well. She'll be in action as well as Coco Goff. Great matches as always. I'm looking forward to a number of those. Jesse Pagula actually did have COVID just not too long ago. Mm -hmm. She got married. It was a super spreader event in some ways. 35 people at the wedding came down with COVID. 
and she's, let's see if she's in shape, as great a shape as she was in last year. Yeah, had a terrific run, and what, number three American, she's really come on. The other uh, kind of number two American, Coco Golf, we'll see kind of where she is after having a decent first week. Um, this is about building matches. I'm interested also to see Raducanu and Rabakina. I mean, Raducanu, we've talked about her quite a bit since winning the U.S. Open, but she just doesn't have a lot of matches under her belt. So many of these matches are first-time meetings. Um, this will be an interesting one with the big-hitting Rabakina. All right, Belinda Bencic, of course, will be in action. The Olympic bronze medalist, we'll see her coming up. That's 9 o'clock Eastern time. And Bencic, uh, you know, we've seen some good things out of her. She's a solid player. What do you look for from her? A great player on hard court. She loves the hard court. I love the way... Watch her footwork. If you want to learn something, watch her footwork. Martina Hingis, that's the same footwork. They sort of walk through their ground strokes. A little different than everybody else. I'll show you if I call her match what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it should be a good one. And Benchit, she is such a you know good mover, as you said, Jimmy, and how she well she takes the ball inside the court. So I think that's going to be key against Haddad Maya. And then we'll see Sabalenka up uh, pretty early in the show. So we'll see kind of where she is consistency-wise and if she can build going into the Oz Open. A lot of eyes will be on Emma Rajikanu, of course, since she won the U.S. Open in that Cinderella run from qualifiers. It has been a struggle. She's not gotten deep into too many tournaments what are you looking for here from her to try to get her 2022 off to a good start I mean first match of the year it's impossible to know how she's going to react it's no one's ever done what she did sort of coming out of qualifying out of nowhere and winning a major at such a young age and becoming such a sensation in her country that so much pressure all of a sudden that she wasn't accustomed to that's something that takes a little while and it's obviously taken her a little while I don't know if she's ready yet we'll find out in a few hours I guess and meanwhile, Coco Goff, we'll see her as well. And Chanda, Coco, how would you characterize the year she had last year? And, and what do you look for coming into this year? Yeah, I think it was a building year for her. And, and certainly for everyone, there were still a lot of ups and downs, you know, with, you know, COVID and tournaments not being played, maybe in, in their same um, locations, same time of year. But I think she managed it well. We still talk about how young she is and how she's gaining experience. She's one of those players that just seems to embrace whatever the situation is, whatever she has to deal with, and that has held her in good stead. It's important these matches for her to start the year, but I think she's really looking at, you know, doing more in the majors. So she's putting some more pressure on herself. We'll see how she continues to handle it. She's improving every year. Her game's getting better. Serve and forehand are the two things that have to get to that sort of next level the serve double fault seem to have, she's fixed that for the most part forehand now she's just got to be a little more aggressive at times once she gets that she's going to keep improving she'll get there eventually all right well we're going to send Chanda over to meet Jason Goodall as she'll be calling some live action here top of the hour there you see the scene from Australia Ayla Tomjanovic about to take the court there she is coming out as she will Take the court and we'll get you set for 12 hours of live action. Tom Janovich and Shmedlova coming up after this.